Hello and welcome to the Rat Nest Podcast, episode number 12 with Terry Miller. Woo! What's up, dude? Thank you so much again for being on the show and helping us out. Um, Terry is a creative director, producer, writer, post-production director. You've done it all. You've started from a grip and now you're here. Uh, <laughs> how did it work when you were younger and, and you were saying people were telling you you got to do stuff? a certain way or there's a certain hierarchy of this, like what got you into to the scene and then what got you moved along in it? Well, I mean, I guess first and foremost, I did, I did graduate from college. I went to school for marketing, um, business management and was interested in the advertising side of it. Um, and got into news and started getting into it. After a couple of years of experience of camera work and editing, I moved from where I was at the time, which was Montgomery, Alabama, um, where I was a camera operator for a show like Cops. It was called County Law. Yeah. So it was a 20-month adrenaline rush. I can imagine, <laughs> bro. Doing well, what was the wildest warrants, thing you ever saw on that? No, dude. not warrants. Um, we were in several high speed chases that ended uh, one of them ended badly in an accident, but we were okay. But it was just like I said, it was that was my first two years in the industry. Um, oh man, and um, so, so you, you dove in head first, quick. yeah, you dove in head first, pretty much. I was, I had zero opportunity walking into the job, and they liked the way I interviewed, they liked my passion for learning and just trying to figure it out what I wanted to do. So they gave me a chance. I mean, I had zero experience and I was going to Higgins guys with three to five years of videography experience in the news gathering agency. So um, just being enthusiastic was probably uh, the thing that got me my first opportunity that and a friendship, you know, um, but then once I started getting into it and I moved back home to Southern California um, and I wanted to break into Hollywood and start doing all those things. And, um, you know, and I started out as like, um, it's called, I don't know. It's, it's, it's more on the film side. It's a video assist where they have a video, a tap on the 35 millimeter camera. And then you're basically providing monitors for the directors and agencies of, you know, high, like super high end commercials and, um, you know, movie production and stuff like that. And, you know, and you, you talk back and forth on set and that was, I had an opportunity to be there, but I wasn't a union guy. I mean, I was being kind of graduated into it, but you know, the mentality was you're, you're a grip, you're a camera operator, you're in camera department, you're, in our department till you work into something else. And, and that for the most part is, is how, you know, the industry is, I mean, you, you get in and you choose one thing uh -huh. and you go for it. You know, uh, for me, it was about learning about the process because it wasn't about just going and being a union camera guy or being a union, whatever. It was about going and learning from the best people in the industry. Um, what I didn't know and what I wanted to learn. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the mentality was, is, you know, I was a camera cinematographer at the time and, you know, and they said, Oh, you, you need to be a camera operator because I was doing more editing than I was 
doing camera operating. And I found in the process of learning, you know, becoming a better better editor made me a better shooter and so on and so forth. It kind of created this cycle of where, where a lot of people in the industry, they're like, okay, you're a music video director. I had an opportunity to be mentored by MTV director Marty Thomas. And so, you know, he, he fought that for almost his entire career. He wanted to make movies, but he was the MTV guy. Yeah. He was the music <laughs> video guy. So you get put, the industry wants to put you into a box. Yeah, right. right. Um, so it, it helps better sell you, promote you, so on and so forth. That's just, there's a formula to a it. In the engine, so to speak. If I remember, so if I remember, I, me, interrupt, but, I got a lot of experience from him, not only as a producer, he gave me one of my first opportunities to DP a music video. Um, I got my first opportunity to direct a music video or edit a music video. Uh, my first Disney project, my first MTV project, my first BET project, everything was just because this guy gave me a chance. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. So, um, so a lot of it is, is, is just, just heart and desire. Are you willing to, to do the work others aren't? And, that's that's kind of what I do. That's what I've always tried to do. Um, I I've done music videos, but I do a lot of industrial stuff. I do um, a lot of documentary stuff, but we do commercial stuff. So it's I try and understand current trends and where they're going and how they apply to each form of media. And and then as as the media has changed and it's changed dramatically. Uh, mm -hmm. Since I got in the industry, I was on a standard def uh, <laughs> four by three seven twenty p camera when I started, and now you can shoot in two hundred k if you want to yeah. array a bunch of reds together, you know, and be stupid, um, <laughs> you know. But um, you know, so it's the media has changed quite a bit, and so does the audience, and I think that's been the fun part is of the creative process is seeing where things have been and, and kind of trying to apply on where they're going to go, uh -huh. you know, and I've, I've been around long enough to see that we're, we were back in the eighties for a little bit. And now we're cycling through the nineties theme wise and a lot of different stuff. So it's, it's just a matter of trying to identify and figure out those trends and then, how, how do you exploit that? You know, as someone that's worked in the industry and seen it change for years or seen it change over years, I should say, is there something that gets you excited to see like happening now that like the trends are like coming back around? Yeah. I think what is interesting uh, for me is this, the whole unreal engine application the, of virtual production Yeah, uh, yeah. where they're, they're marrying the video game technology um, and mocap type production to yeah. create um, some really super cool stuff. And that probably would have never gotten pushed to the forefront of importance had it not been for COVID yeah. um, and being locked away and, and being forced to learn how to create in a different environment than what you're used to. And it was fortunate because 
there's a few of us I've been following it. This is stuff that's been going on since like Avatar, you know, uh, when yeah. James Cameron made yeah. Avatar. It, he was essentially for the first time, instead of shooting them in a green screen environment, they were able to actually see the feedback in the previews and the monitors. So they weren't looking at their reactions and stuff against a green screen. They were actually looking at in a pre-rendered model. Right. Of what the scene was going to look of like. Of what the scene was. Yeah. And then it gave them better feedback of how to interact with that environment. And, um, and that's kind of where it's kind of generationally started there. And now, now it's, it's prevalent. And, yeah. and COVID is kind of what the catalyst was there that created that. Have you worked on projects that uh, shoot like in strictly VR kind of uh, format like that? No, no. I mean, we've been testing it um, for, I mean, in theory for several years. Um, but the issue, the issue, it really is, <clears throat> excuse me. The issue really is um, the the video wall technology and it catching up with the camera's ability to shoot it. Gotcha. So, um, whereas the video walls were pr primarily just applicable in like a jumbotron or, you know, huge concert setting, um, they have in the past, like with movies like with Gravity, um, I've actually worked with the projection, the projectionists of that movie, and that was all projector and screens. Interesting. You know, when you watch that movie, so. They've been testing and working with this virtual type of, you know, reality counterculture to the 3D visual effects stuff for some time. So I think in that year and in places like California, where they're continue to be kind of in an environment where they're, they're just going to have to innovate to be able to keep going. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a market, obviously, for both. There's the technology and everything moving forward that has that stream, and there's uh, kind of specific things that you can accomplish with that. And there's also a very still warm feel to the physical props and and just not so digitally imposed or CGI type of filmmaking, um, whether that be landscapes or old cars or whatever it is. But there's some feel to that that it, it makes it kind of movie magic. Um, I don't know if one's going to fade away because the other one gets more popular, but it, it's something you could think about, you know? I, you know, I think the traditional form of filmmaking is never in a hundred years, in spite of anything, ever going to go away. I think, I think it depends on the layers of, you know, corporate control, studio control, union control, you know, independent producers, we have a little bit more leeway. Um, but again, that limits us to how we can work and who we can work with. So there's some give and take too. If you want to work with, you know, a SAG actor, you know, um, then you've got to abide by SAG laws and SAG rules. Mm -hmm. So you just, I think primarily you just have to be able to adapt, um, uh, to whatever that environment is. Georgia is in a unique position because out of LA and New York, we're the only one that's pretty much open. So there's more sound stages being built and ground being broken on new sound stages. I mean, that Georgia has been billions, billions of dollars of infrastructure that's being put in. Yeah. So 
you know, ideally, you know, probably the next couple of years, George is going to take over that number one film and television yeah. stuff. Just gonna say, that's they, what they're they've been laying the groundwork for for years now, kind of um, with a few major studios, but might be secondary names to to people that aren't familiar with, but. I mean, tons of stuff has been produced out of Georgia. Um, it's kind of like the second hub for film in the United States right now. And like you were saying, uh, with the development and them kind of having more lax laws and being open to production, uh, it could very well be number one in the next few years here. Yeah, I think I think the the you know that you, you still have to abide by the COVID guidelines. You still have to abide by all that stay stuff, but. Um, you know, I think just in the fact of being being able to be out and about, you know, um, and secure a location and to have a film permitting process that's open um, and to have insurance to be able to work with you. You know, I mean, those are all important things. So um, from a purely economical, um, logistical jumping off point, you know, we're in a good position. Absolutely. Um, and it's not just the major studios. Warner Brothers just, I mean, bought a ridiculous amount of acreage to convert to backlot and uh, sound stages. So, um, and so it's, it's, it's the, and Atlanta itself is probably one of the largest independent production outlets in, in the world. Right. Um, as far as at least easily the United States. Um, because there's the amount of film festivals here is like, I, I thought LA had a, a lot of film festivals or California had a lot of film festivals, but, um, here in, here in Atlanta and in Georgia, I mean, there's a ton of them, like, <laughs> and it's hard well, to that's keep awesome up with for opportunity. So yeah. it's, and it's just something that's going to continue to grow. So definitely when, when, you know, when I work with Jim and, he was a producer on MX Yoga. Thanks for rapping. Uh, um, you know, um, just getting out of California was a major goal for me for a long time, as you know, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember so, when you made the move. And, and bro, I have to give you props. I got to give you a pat on the back. You called it so proper. You were like, hey, the, the Georgia, Atlanta area is going to be the next place. It really hadn't boomed yet. And you, no, you we got were, out we there. were in the first wave out. You were, we man. were in the first wave out. Um, really so, able to capitalize on that gold rush out there uh, from California. And, and that really brought some clout, if I remember what you were saying. Like, you came from Hollywood. You were out there. People were looking for that guy. Um, it's been helpful to open the door. But obviously, it's, it's especially important about relationships and building yeah. relationships uh, I mean, your credits and, and all that only go so far. I mean, I got so much crap about my IMD page and I, I kind of laugh at people because it's like kind of a joke to me. Um, yeah. When I came up in the early 2000s, IMDB was kind of a joke, you know. So the only IMDB stuff I have is all stuff other people put up in my name. Um, <laughs> so it's not even something I even like. And most of the people, a lot of people I know that are you know, uh, post-production supervisors and top producers and PGA guys, they ah, don't worry about IMDb. But here they're so, they're uh, very impressed by the IMDb. And, <laughs> Had to and go that's update. fine. I mean, really, IMDb, all you need is a website. 
Um, and you're a director. Yeah. You know? and, and, the, and you know Photoshop. And here's the thing about IMDb. I was called in. Uh, it was my actually my accident <clears throat> that about killed me. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. <laughs> Stupid. Anyway. Um, I didn't think I so. I, 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 I loved what you were doing. Just playing <laughs> down. Um, what was I saying? Oh, I think that was a perfect transition. Let's talk about your accident, bro. Well, first off, hold up. Can we rewind? Because we mentioned MX Yoga, but we didn't say anything about it. Jim was a producer on a project that you did where you never had ridden motocross in your life and you decided to Pretty start much. riding motocross, right? Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> uh, not just ride motocross, he decided to compete, race yeah. and make it on a professional level. Well, no, it didn't start out that way because I didn't even know if I was going to make it to the first gate. That's right. Um, that's right. You had to practice first. So, so the storyline kind of progressed over time, but um, to back it up, uh, I think it was 2006. It was before I met my wife. Um, I rode street bikes and like uh, most street bike riders in California, in the 909, yeah, represent are a little bit nuts when it comes to two wheels, splitting so, lanes and all. Um, I was fortunate to live through what I did, but I ultimately um, did a header on I-10 in Palm Springs at 85 miles an hour Ooh, after a hate truck dropped about a third of his truck, uh, a truckload of hay bales across three lanes of freeway and i think there was about a 60 mile headwind going through the desert um so visibility was maybe um maybe 100 100 200 feet and so i um i had just gone onto the freeway clicked it up into fifth i was going 85 miles an hour some hay flacked me in the helmet and i closed my eyes and when I opened them, all I saw was hay bales. Oh, God. So I went over the handlebars at, I was 85, 90, um, hit a hay bale. That's what saved my life. Um, I was the first of, what's that? That's crazy. That's just, yeah. that's nuts. Uh, uh, it was Valentine's Day. Um, it was my Valentine's Day massacre. There was 14. 14 vehicles, three bikes. I was the first uh, to go through. Um, I think when I opened my eyes and saw the hay bales, I pretty much, I had about, I don't know. I, I had no time to scream or vocalize or do anything. It yeah, was no just, reaction time. God, get me through this. That's how I remember that. I'll never forget that. And I went over. I remained conscious. Had I not remained conscious, um, well, I'll get to that, <laughs> but uh, I hit the hay bale. I hit the hay bale with such impact. I was wearing a Kevlar jacket, racing jacket. That's probably what saved my life. Uh, I hit the hay, uh, hay bale so hard that it broke the steel lining and exploded. So my, my helmet shot off my head like a cork from a champagne bottle um, and shot across the road. Um, I came to and I realized 
I'm alive. I'm in the middle of the freeway. And so I broke for the shoulder. As I broke for the shoulder, that's when the next car behind me came through. And I literally, um, it was like slow motion, super, super slow motion. But I literally had to jump the front fender uh, of the vehicle to get off to onto the shoulder to keep from getting hit from that car, who in all likelihood probably never even saw me until I was in their peripheral passing them, you know? Wow. So, um, so that was pretty much the start of my two world journey. And that seems like the end of it pretty quick. Um, got married. I met my wife six months later. Um, so wait, 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 what injuries you broke your wrist and everything in that yeah. accident, right? Oh, like, okay, what, what yeah, your injuries? Yeah, yeah, that's when I became bionic. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I basically shattered these two bones, both bones. So there's plates. You can see the. There's a big ass scar. Yeah. Oh, I see it. That's from 2006. And then the entrance here. So still, still plates on both both uh bones um uh, uh multiple screws um you know i was done with that type of stuff right um i was more concerned about losing my be- ability to be a camera operator so yeah with the wrist that kind of pushed me yeah. down the path of being a director of photography and everything else because all i wanted to do at that point was be able to still operate a camera um, and then I got married. Um, her family is into desert racing and bringing the kids up and, and through all that. I mean, for many years, I couldn't get near a bike. I couldn't approach a bike without um, shortness of breath. Yeah. I mean, it was literally causing PTSD, yeah. uh, shaking. Um, I was scared to death. but. But for the point of kind of bringing the kids up into that two-world lifestyle and dirt racing and and all that, it was one of those, like, I, I just wanted to face that fear, throw my leg over the bike. Yeah, Papa Terry's got to step up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I need, to, I need to do this. And I think I used at the time my ability... <clears throat> You know my doc, my status as a documentary filmmaker at the time to go out and kind of use it as a roadmap to, I mean, go out and get some sponsors. Um, you know, I mean, within like six months of doing this project, we had, you know, several sponsors. And I hadn't even dozen, done a race yeah. It was just simply from the web series. I'm a documentary filmmaker. I'm 38 years old. I'm a former adrenaline junkie going through a midlife crisis. <laughs> and so I'm going to learn how to race motocross. Yeah. And so, go ahead. You look like you're going to ask a question. I was going to say, so that was, that was it though, that just you uh, taking the kids out and like family and stuff that reignited that, that uh, like, I can do this. I can get back on a bike and, and then the, the idea for doing the documentary series came after you actually started getting back on one. Well, I think I think where it came from was is I had a drone company yeah. um, and I had the opportunity to work with Josh Grant, uh, number 33, 33. Uh, and um, 
we did some drone footage for him and we are doing super slow-mo footage and uh, in the process of editing the project and being able to slow the footage down as a college baseball player i played baseball for 20 something years we use video feedback all the time so i kind of used josh grant as a model to like how do you sit on a bike you know little little stupid technical things that i just from visual observation can kind of give you a head start totally. um and then slowly just started gauging my own writing progression in the process. And it turned into like a vlog. And, you know, Jim was there for, I think I joined uh, on what, like day, three years of it. Yeah. I think I joined uh, on, I don't know what day it was day 30 or day something of your practice before you had done your first race. That's though. right. And I, uh, I, we had talked right. about it and we had sat down and kind of talked with it and, I started going out and running the camera. I never touched a camera before. You gave me an opportunity right. to do that. We ran all the green screen audio, man. That green screen room that we built in your garage was a lot of fun. <laughs> many, many hours in that night, man. That's super tight. And uh, yeah, that was a really, really fun experience, dude. It really was. And you gave me a lot of opportunity to to learn and and to figure out what it means to be a producer truly and to actually be hands-on in a in a creative mindset you know and and be right there working with you 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 really allowed me to take that and and feel like it was my own and right along with you and dude we created something great i a lot of people don't know it's there go check it out mx yoga but it it was a lot of fun the the highest subscriber but i to be fair i kind of gave up with youtube i got pissed off at youtube it was like (laughs) and i cuss yeah yeah go ahead Fuck you, YouTube. <laughs> anyway, I got to that point to where I was like, fuck YouTube. At that point, Facebook was starting to get bigger. So we started putting stuff onto there. Um, I mean, we did. I pushed that rope uphill for um, a long time. Long time, man. You, bear, you bore a burden with that one for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I had an opportunity to work with uh, a film producer, you know, um, he's done so, quite a bit of stuff. I'm not going to name drop, but, <laughs> um, he, he did, he, he took a look at everything. He was basically the one that said, you need to make it an underdog story. Um, so that's where 500 days an underdog story came from. So we remodeled it. We came that close to getting a presentation sponsor with a CBD. Um, I mean, come on, a dude <laughs> in his forties. Trying to race motocross. I mean, of course perfect CBD. candidate for CBD healing. <laughs> Come on. There's like only about 3 million of us out there trying to do this shit. You yeah. know? So, no, man, I feel uh, like if we hit a wall, every, everything that we tried, nothing broke in our direction as we, as we ran it. But d- despite all of that, bro, it, how many days of riding did you get in before you got injured? It was like three hundred day three hundred or something. I'm on I'm on day three seventeen. Um, the accident was day two eighty six, but that was the major accident. The first one was the collarbone. First one was collarbone, that, right? That was day one eighty six. Yeah, but that only took so you I'm down gonna, for like four weeks, I'm bro. Stay you clear were back day three eighty six. We may be doing jump rope that day. Yeah. Um, 
But no, yeah, uh, the first one was day 186. Um, so yeah, okay, so let's back this up because what, the whole first season was not even knowing whether or not I was ever going to get to a race. Right. And then we got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And it was day 57. You can go onto YouTube. It's MX Yoga Series channel on YouTube. Um, it's pretty easy to find. Um, there's also a Mexican yoga that tried to yeah, steal. Uh, yeah, they tried. <laughs> we, we actually recorded that, but never used it. <laughs> that, that skit with um, Brat Bigley. Brat Bigley, yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. Rest in peace, Brat Bigley. So we, we created my alter ego, character. and his name's Brat Bigley. But, that was a good um, character. It was like a like a Hunter S. Thompson, like fear and loathing type vibe, you know. Hell yeah. But anyways, we get to the first race, the gate drops. My very first race, I throw down a whole shot. Jumped out in front which, of everyone. This for, is the for first, those of you that first don't know person to the first corner, right? That's like what everybody, whoa! That's what makes the panty drops, right? Yeah. So right out the my first gate. First race, whole shot. What happened the very next turn, Jim? Crash. <laughs> like not even, not even like a, like a. Oh, we're real bad. Terry just took the turn and fell down. Like, like, like the squid that I am. He got overexcited. You know? <laughs> he he spun his fucking throttle Dude. like the whole shot. Oh my god, I'm gonna take this Hell and yeah. just wheeled out. Wing. That's so funny. Um, and then um, yeah, yeah. Well, was it the guy? The guy took me out in the turn. He ran me up into the bank. That's what you like to say about that first that turn, the- bro. That's what. You, that's your story. The video doesn't lie. <laughs> okay. So so wait, it was, was you're thinking of Moto Two. Moto two is when I just fell over. I hit the ground so hard. You might be right. My GoPro came off. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It would. That's the one I'm thinking of. He literally like toppled in a turn and just hit the ground. Still on the bike, just fell over so hard the GoPro burst off of his helmet. Dude, if you had to guess in this whole project, how many times did you hit the ground? Like, it had to have been a ton, right? For 500 days of riding. Um, like I said, I think I'm on 315. I haven't touched the ground since 286. Nice. Hey, but um, at the beginning, there were days when he would get off of a practice round and he would go five or six laps for practice and like, all right, bro, you didn't fall once. Good yeah. job. <laughs> like you made it around five laps. You didn't fall. Those were the early days. Early like, days, yes. man. Those were good days. The little things. I no. mean, it was, it was silly stuff. It was silly stuff. And, um, um, like I think one, I like came out like a bull and blew everybody out, whole shot. I mean, I was like four seconds, five seconds ahead of everybody in the first lap, halfway through the lap. And I go to make the turn at the top of the mountain and just stall out. Yep. <laughs> and boom, 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 fall all the way down the hill. It was um, it was frightening for us watching him tumble down this like 400 yard or 40 yard hill, like all the way down at a 40 degree angle. 
He, uh, it, yeah, it was frightening yeah. for sure. Dude, for someone that's lived through that first crash and has a bionic arm and then any spill, I would just be like, oh, I'm going to die. Like, this is the end. Like, I don't know how you, how you could take it with stride and like, no. keep going, dude. I'd be I like, I'm I, over it. I want well, to take what you think when you get started. Um, there's a lot of forgiveness in dirt, you know, yeah. as comparison to the asphalt. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and sometimes you get hurt less the faster you're going. So because you skim across the top of it rather than plant into it. Right, right. So I think, I think uh, the couple of years I had learning karate um, and Aikido, I learned how to fall. So that was number one, you need to learn how to fall. Um, and, you know, I think when I first started out, I was at the same mindset that you just said was, you know, you just fear hitting the ground. Um, but then as I started getting instruction with things, you know, from people and different, I called them Reiki masters, um, uh, because it was MX Yoda and these guys were all professional level or semi-professional level people that were kind of guiding me along the way so i didn't kill myself um and they they did they saved his life a couple times because <laughs> i mean it wasn't like i was just suiting up throwing my leg over and just doing it no you were but doing like, the homework okay, like man. the first 25 days it was like that and then i almost landed on a dude on like day 29 um and i was like okay i probably need to get some instruction here um yeah. And, um, so, you know, I learned through, I had some training, I had, they trained me, they helped me, um, they helped me make sure that I was, you know, how I knew how to launch out of the gate, you know, cause it, you go to YouTube and go look at, uh, gate launch, uh, uh, gate start fails and holy crap. Oh, there's a lot of them. I mean, you're going to have fun with that. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's just, wah, 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 wah you know it's just chaos total chaos and for and especially the videos for the first time starting uh you know and they grab too much throttle and they're whiskey whiskey throttling and it's just i desensitized myself to all that type of stuff before i ever got on the bike yeah. you know yeah so i know you said there was some projects that you're working on that you can't talk about right now but is there some projects you're working on that you can talk about right now well, I mean, we are have already started talking about it. Um, and, you know, 500 Days is on Amazon Prime. It's been an install pattern for a minute, but uh, we're about to have three episodes up there. Yes, sir. Um, and then I'm, I'm in the process because of another project. It's just a workload thing. Mm -hmm. But once I get six episodes, I'm going to Netflix with it and Roku and all that other stuff. But we'll be dropping six episodes at once. Um, I think I think that's the best way to watch it from the feedback that we've gotten. Binge, um, it's binge worthy for sure. To just be able to watch and go from because it's kind of set up for you to go from I think uh, day one thirty nine or something is where uh, five hundred days starts off, which is I've done the unthinkable and qualified for. Road to Mammoth in my my first year. Rookie oh, yeah, season, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Dude, it's good. I I, I watch the ones that are up. I you, uh, you know when they came out a little earlier uh, this year, last the end of it's last been, year. Yeah, right before COVID, yeah. we were putting them up heavy. That's what's up, dude. It's really good. We had so much fun making that. We got to travel up to Sacramento. We traveled to Barstow. We traveled to all the different uh, motocross yeah. racetracks around the, the California. And you went even out of the state to do a couple of races that I couldn't join on. But that, That's got to be a fun yeah. project, too, yeah. like working all over with the homies. Um, it, well, it was definitely fun. It made the road trips a lot more fun because for a lot of it, I was doing it on my own. Um, so... That's in the back of your head too. Like when you're doing these races for as an old guy, is you need to be able to save enough energy to load the bike back up onto the truck. At the end. <laughs> well, there would be days so, I would show so up and when Jim and everybody else yeah. started joining. It was like, okay, I can go ten percent farther. Yeah, exactly. You know? He would say that, like, <laughs> I can go a little harder because you're here. Last time I had nobody with me you had to yeah. load the bike. But I remember saying at the beginning when I, I came in just to really do audio and kind of on the production green screen side, like the post stuff. But I started going to the races and you're like, dude, if you're going to be here, yep. you're working a camera. If, <laughs> if you're going to be here, we need the footage. And I remember you're there selling you your selling feature was like, at the very least, we need it on camera if I go down. And I was like, all, all right, man, right. here we go. I Right, I need it. I need it for posterity. Yeah, and you know, every major accident, I've had a camera rolling on it. So, yep. <laughs> but no, that was it. Was a lot of fun, man. <laughs> so and there's that. I know. I know as well, well as the I did. The thing about MX Yoga was a completely different type of storytelling because it was the very first time that I put myself in front of the camera. I've never been in front of the camera. Um, my job was behind the camera, right? Telling people how to be, having no idea how to do it myself. So I put myself into that. And then once we brought Ian, uh, into the production of it, um, yeah, Ian, and dude, his know, whole, him and his crew out were great. All that other stuff. It was like, I was able to turn off my brain as a director and just put myself through the process. So at every level, you know, from uh, season one to season two, which is up on YouTube from MX Yoga, you can really, I mean, oh, yeah. there's probably three hours of content and you'll get to see about two years of progression um, that has been very humbling to get other people's feedback um, on, especially people who, I mean, I'm racing against people who've been doing it for 30 years. Right. Um, and I'm doing it. I'm in my take away my accident. I've only had four years of seat time. But, you know, I'm well, six years into the process now with two years down on a near fatal accident. And not not only are you up against these guys, but these guys are like you're able to run with them and you're impressing them. Like I remember so often when we were running this regular, the comments on the YouTube or the emails that you would get were guys that had been racing for 30 years and they were in their forties or fifties and hadn't raced or ridden, ridden in 10. And they're like, you know what? I went out and bought a bike because of you, or, you know what? I'm hopping back on and I went out and raced yeah. just because, and I got my son with me doing it. Like, you weren't just up against the guys that were doing it for 30 years. You were inspiring the guys that had been doing it 30 years and kind of fallen off and forgotten about it, you know, that, and that's what really drew me to the project. Yeah, I think, 
is just the way you were, you were able to say, you know what, I'm putting my life on the line or I'm putting my ass on the line on this seat so that you can feel good about it. And you did, man. There was dozens of guys. Yeah, I kind of gave uh, gave old guys someone to root for, you know? Yeah, you did. I, I mean, coming out the gate, I mean, you remember the first episode, the comments were like, go pick up bowling. Yeah, you you're know? not going to do this it, bud. You're going to kill yourself. And you know what? <laughs> By the grace of God, I didn't. But You tried. I tried. <laughs> I damn near tried for a full solid 18 months. It wasn't nothing about technique. It was just about go, gripping go, it, go. doing this, yep. and trying to hold the, the fuck on. Yep. You know? <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Um, and, and the balls just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but I wasn't getting smarter. And I think that's, that's where the collarbone came in. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I need a legit trainer. Mm-hmm. I need to learn how to ride safely. Yeah. Um, well, and that's what you needed with some technique. That's when I started riding with my chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's what you needed. You needed to be able to focus on your riding and become, you had reached the point of being able to direct and produce uh, the, the web series and also be a full-time writer. You had to focus well, on writing for your own safety at that point. And much. And it, it was what we discovered. And we had several conversations about this was the second I let go uh-huh. of that, that purpose, the story just started writing itself. It I did, you know, um, so it became very interesting. I mean, from the hitting wall after wall after wall after wall, falling, 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 but always getting up. Mm-hmm. And then I finally break through and have my first win. You know, and it was just like, well, now you got a wall full know, of plaques. And it was like within a year. Yeah. And, you know, I never even knew when I started that I was ever even going to get to a race, much less win. An entire series, that Trans World Series, as a beginner, I won. I was five and zero. Oh. Yeah, won Imp- every so impressive. Every round. So impressive. <laughs> For- and um, it, but again, I it was with all that help that we got there, and you know, and then the hard part about that sport is, as much as you examine and analyze everything, you still have to face your fear Uh you still have to get up i mean when i hit that jump out at uh lacr Uh um it's a blind jump it's like a 45 degree face with a 250 foot run you're hitting this uh probably mid top of third bottom of fourth you don't know where you're going you can't see where you're going um, and you have to make it far enough that you don't land up. It's a step up. So if you don't go far enough, you're just going to clip it and you're going head it. first into a wall. And Jeez. I mean, and it's, it was, it was one of those where it was like, okay, I finally hit an official jump because it was like a three and a half, four second hang time, which <laughs> That's pretty wild. When dude. you're on the bike, that's, that's like, that's a commercial. Come you know, it's like coming from like skateboarding. Seconds, you're like, woo, taking everything in. And it's like, I got to land it still. Dude, tell, so, 
like skateboarding when I was a kid, three or four seconds in the air, that's that's way too many stairs. Like, no, <laughs> you shouldn't be jumping down that if you're in the air for four seconds. That shit is crazy. I think that that jump ups you up about 25 feet. Yeah, it was a killer um, jump. At, at the apex when you're coming down, which is leads to stupid act of stupidity number two. Um, which I went through the first uh, series of mammoths. I finished fourth. Just off the podium. Yeah, Yeah, I finished fourth. Look, I started the series. They said, you won't qualify. I qualified. So I decided, well, since I qualified, let's go for it. Yeah, why not? And then we went to um, Turlock, and I took third. Gave him automatic and position so in sudden, Batman. I'm like, hmm, I'm like seventh in the series now. And so that just kept me driving and driving and driving. At one point, I was four points out of first. Yeah, after and, the guy, town. and the guy that was in first had it was sandbagging. He had been in first three years in a row. He should have been riding in a different class, but he dropped down and just took first from everyone. Isn't that right? I'm not really sure. I know, oh, I know, you're just saving face. It's all right. I'll that, take the I, blame I for that one. Someone else. All right. I might be no, thinking. But, no, Tim was someone that was getting someone back in it, but he was someone who had 3X, 4X seat time yeah. as far as years riding. So wait, what was uh, the second? All right. Sorry, Tim. Mistake? Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> no, what? Did you crash again? You crashed again? That was the awesome thing about that series because at that point I was so ignorant of the actual pain um, or the potential of the pain that, hey, the faster you were, the more I liked you because I was going to try and keep up with you. Yeah, that's and, right. Um, so I, it made me faster. Uh, the faster they were, the faster it made me. Um, um, so that was it was all good. It was a great experience to be able to go from good luck, good luck qualifying to, you know, to, to keep at it one up point, the, the guys, yeah, yeah. first. Well, I, I finished in the top five. We got the gate pick. Um, so I did make the top five in my rookie season. And then um, and then the next year with Rota Loretta um, qualified for the regional championships. Yeah. So. It, with with my with people like Mike um, and all the different Reiki masters, Terry Pierce, who was my race tech. Yeah, that um, guy saved your life Dave, just checking Dave, your bike. Uh, Dave Sequist, who's a professional downhill guy, was the OG Reiki. Yeah, sorry, my voice is going out. It's all right. You spend all day <laughs> yelling at everybody. Can we and take it, a so I can get something to drink. Yeah, go ahead, man. Do your thing. Okay, give me give me a minute. Do your thing. Dude, I've I've seen Terry on set before and and it's just everyone's got to get yelled at. There's never there's <laughs> never a time where and it's not yelling out of anger, but it's so loud and there's so much going on that you you're 10 feet away, you have to yell at someone. So, when I when I he signed on and I heard his voice a little raspy, I was like, "Oh, he's been working. He's been doing work lately." But uh 
real quick while he's gone, and we'll probably edit all this out. That's the girl from Iwo Jima. Yep. Classic. So you should all go check out MX Yoga. Definitely. It's a great, a great show. It's on Amazon. You can watch the first couple episodes. You heard it from the mouth of the director. There might be uh, some, some more episodes <laughs> dropping in the near future. I don't know. You might want to binge watch them. I don't know. But you should definitely be going and checking those things out. Hell yeah. We'll cut that in the end. Yeah. We'll just give him a minute. Yeah, no stress. You got shit to do, bro. Yeah, we can cut all this. Give me some of that cold brew. Yeah, that's good. Are we going to go uh, do dinner after this? Yeah, uh, yes. Trying to hit the, hit the sleeves? Have a, have a drinky, see yeah. Drew. Ooh, that's good. That's nice. Hey, get, get Absinzerts, bro. Dude, we getting Absinzerts? We getting Absinzerts. I could go for some scallops right about now. <laughs> I'm down with some, some scallops. <laughs> My well, chair, my chair squeaked a little bit. I was like, "Everyone's uh-oh. gonna think I'm farting." He's a, your fart master over here. Pickle <laughs> brew's good, dude. You can't, you can't argue with me there. Nah, it tastes good. It's nice and thick, not too sweet. It has sugar in it for sure. Yeah, this has been sweetened, absolutely sweetened. Yeah, it's got some sugar in it, but shit is good. It's all right. There we go. Yeah, buddy. Oh, nice. Little Lagunitas. Uh, I've been doing so many meetings lately. It's all right. I was just saying, uh, I remember you on set. It's just you have to yell at everyone 10 feet away because, I mean, God knows they can't hear you no matter how loud it is. So I figured you've been working. What happened? I think (laughs) we lost lost connections there. There we go. Um, well, let's jump into what you've it been, came back. let's jump into what you've been doing lately with La La Land, uh, enterprises and kind of how, how things have worked out. We just went through MX yoga. Uh, we touched on the fact that you were doing that. Uh, there you go. We got the shirt going. We, we touched on the fact that you were doing the drone flights for a while and I'm, I'm sure kind of everything led up to what you're doing over there right now. Um, I, what what's La La Land Inter- Enterprises all, all about? Um, well, as La La Land is kind of my happy place, it's La La Land is, um, you know, that's movie land, you know. Um, enterprises is the ability to make it a business. So um, we're basically taking and assist from writing a script, helping you come up with the idea all the way through shooting, um, all the way through editing and delivery to the network or studio. Okay. So Uh, from beginning writing to post everything, it's start to finish. You can, you consult or uh, consult and uh, assist um, produce for people. Correct. Um, I, I do the various projects. I'm just on a consultant basis. Um, there's others that I'm the post-production supervisor and I'm actually managing the media and delivering the, you know, commercial entities. Um, and then there's several corporations, fortune 500 corporations. That's kind of been the bread and butter over the years um, is when we kind of 
started taking the idea of conceptual broadcast movie making and started making corporate ideas and making corporate messaging with that. And, um, you know, that's kind of a big part of, of what we do as far as, you know, keeping us going and, and sure. giving us the ability to go out and do our fun things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Got to keep the lights but, on. And and nowadays you can't be in business without some type of, of content. So um, wh- whether we ever shoot a camera or, or shoot anything, you know, sometimes we're just consulting them on, on, you know, social media stuff and sure, yeah. how to create the message for what the end game is, what they're trying to get to. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the videos, as you've noticed, um, I know Jim is kind of taking a break from social media, but it when, when a trend hits, it seems like within a matter of a, a few weeks, everything looks and feels the same. Yeah. Um, so, and the tactics and the, the type of commands and, Right now in, in my profession, there's so many people selling tutorial masterclasses. <laughs> it's silly. Um, there is no shortcut, people. There is no shortcut. You are not going to learn everything you know to get $100,000 clients in two weeks of three payments of $99.99. I was thinking the same thing. They got Martin Scorsese teaching these like master classes. Like people are going to watch Scorsese talk. Those are absolutely worth it. I I have those. (laughs) And just be like, all right, I'm Scorsese. I think with filmmaking, it took me about eh, 15 years to figure out I'm solving problems. Like I'm trying to tell a story and inherently in a real world, in reality, you're going to face problems. Um, whether it's the neighbor who decides he needs to mow his yard at 9, a, at 9 p.m. at night while you're trying to record your podcast or, you know, shoot your scene. Um, you know, there's just you have to be able to apply knowledge and experience. And the best way without having the experience of actually going and failing forward and making the mistakes yourself and learning from those mistakes and applying what you learn to the next round and so on and so forth, rinse and repeat. Um, you know, and I think that's what's wrong with today. I'm getting off on a tangent, but everybody we love wants to right everything. Oh, yeah, dude. We love tangents. Dude, dude, I'm so sick of the, the shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. There's well, not. What, what, can you can you help me out? Because I've been struggling with this. What is everybody's need for a shortcut? Yes. Knowing what you know about what it takes to get anything in life worth doing, what is the value of a shortcut? I think people think that they're going to do something right one time and make a lot of money off of it. And that's the appeal of like a shortcut is not having to work for anything and that everything's just going to fall in line that one particular time or something. They think they're special. And if they can just hit the shortcut, they're the one that the shortcut worked for. And now I'm special because I made it without having to go the full route. Here's the, here's the thing about that. I've done that. It ain't, it ain't special. Everybody's done it. Yeah. Everybody does it. So, um, 
I think it's the ability to, and me and Jim talked about this for a long time, is I have these moments of clarity that turned into creative things. And this yoga was probably, you know, that thing where people constantly come up to me and go, I wish I thought of that. Yeah. You know, because when I get to where I'm going to get, I'll be the first person to have documented from day one to pro gate and have it all on film. Mm-hmm. That's the plan. And that- wasn't always the plan, but you know, after the last accident, um, you know, I know we're, we're back on that now, but that was when I really screwed myself up. That was a I rough accident. Ribs. Yeah. I don't know how much you want to go into that. Cause of, you know, we don't want to blow anything on MX yoga, but, uh, I know you kind yeah, of tell true. that story over there. Uh, but yeah, that accident was definitely something that threw a wrench in all the gears that we were doing with MX yoga and with, uh, However, this is something actually I meant, I meant to bring up that kind of worked at the right time for your move to be able to get you over to Georgia. Right. And that's, had, that's what that's what the blessing was, was after that whole thing um, was I think it was several several. We've been talking about moving for a long time and pulling the trigger. And I woke up at two o'clock in the morning, just riddled in pain and. I was like in tears and I just, my wife's like, what's going on? What's going on? I'm like, I'm fine, but I'm not scared anymore. Uh And it's like the worst thing that had ever happened in my life physically, the most pain I'd ever been in my life, physically, mentally, just keeping, keeping your mind straight through that pain and being able to meditate through it and get through it. Um, but it was like, I'm not scared. Like, when you did this entire trying something new, it's not going to kill me. You know, I, I got to point this out too. That a lot of people don't know this, but I only know because I was right there with you through the whole thing. You went through this entire second accident, your main accident, with no pain meds, right? You were using CBD right. only, you were using meditation, you were using proper diet and exercise. And going to your PT, your physical therapist, they were saying, you're making leaps and bounds faster than we've seen anybody over here. Well, well, here's the thing. Like, um, when I broke my collarbone, um, I did the same thing. Um, I did the same thing. Um, CBD only. I remember I went to go to the doctor to get released for physical therapy. And the whole time, the doctor, they have this scripted um thing and i know it's scripted and it was trained because he said it the exact same way every single time (laughs) and it it was like i told him you know like you want pain meds and i'm like no pain meds are they're bad for your recovery your body's hurting for a reason okay so when you're taking and you're all oped out um you decide hey i can walk over there i Mm -hmm. can play ping pong i can do whatever and then you overexert yourself um, and then you actually feel it through that. But by that point, you've created more damage. So the pain is a good thing. And that's that's something I learned from a Navy SEAL. Um, the pain is a good thing. You can learn from the pain. It's when it, there's no pain mm. that you got to be worried about. So, 
you know, after all this traumatic things, it was just about managing, learning how to, number one, I didn't want to be oped out. It was, I remember being in the hospital and the doctors trying to prescribe me an oxy or whatever it was. And I told him, I don't want it. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? Um, I'm like, I'm probably just going to do CBD and THC. Uh, well, you know, medical association doesn't support the advocacy or use of <laughs> CBD for recovery and blah, blah, blah. Everybody have the same script, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, I don't care. It's I, I want to know what's going on. I'm raising a family. I'm trying to get back on my feet. I don't need to be checked out. I need to be aware, yeah. you know? So when I went back for that six-week checkup, he released to the physical therapist and I told him, uh, I've been doing physical therapy for three weeks. And the day I was introduced to the physical therapist, I passed the test for the physical therapist because I had the bike loaded up and I was headed to, uh, Kauia yep. to go ride. Yeah. You had a race I'm and you're like, like, I'm hoping hey, to get released. Cause I'm ready to go ride. That's right. I remember that. I remember <laughs> that dude. You were pumped. You were back on the bike within like three and a half weeks. That's dope, dude. And, and um, the funny part was I was so excited about getting back on the bike that I forgot my riding pants. <laughs> so I had like these like champion, like basketball shorts. And I, I rode for two hours, moto, a couple motos oh, and bicycle gosh. shorts and O'Neal, dude. I was like Ronnie Max <laughs> bastard cousin or something, you know, that <laughs> was kind of funny. Oh, that's great. Well, seriously, Terry, thank you so and much. When, um, go ahead. I was just saying, we, we're about to wrap this up. We've, we've hit our mark, yeah. um, but thank you so much for being here with us. And, and any of the, anything that he's been saying about this crash and about all the crashes, you can find out more on MX yoga. So go watch and, that series. And besides MX yoga, I mean, is there anything uh, you want to shout out or is there a message? I mean, obviously the message is keep, get up there, stop, like stop getting in your own head over conquer what you want to conquer and don't let anyone yeah, stand in your I think way. That's, right? generally the message. that's generally the message. If you want to go do something, go do it. Don't listen to people. They say, go do it. Um, if you want to do it, go do it. Don't be afraid to fail because really the fear of failure is kind of like this underlying that is a fear of success. So you know, unless you're pushing yourself to that breaking point, you're never going to know how far you're going to be able to go. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wise words from a wise man. Terry Miller, oh, everybody. Hey, dude, thank you so much, Terry. We appreciate you, bro. And we'll talk again um, when the next project drops. We'll, we'll uh, bullshit some more. Yeah, I think we may have a, a, a feature project coming up soon. So I'll, I'll keep Jim in the loop. Please as do. As it becomes relevant. Uh, We'll connect. I thank you guys for having me on. It was good connecting with you, Jim. Yeah, it's man. Been, we'll uh, talk. We'll talk real soon. We'll we'll get back to it. Won't be so long, but between t- interactions next time. Uh, absolutely, man. Thanks, guys. All right, thank man. You, Take man. care, Terry. Awesome. Nice. Well, that was good. It's just great. You want to do the, like the outro? You can yeah, catch your next yoga at da 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 da.
Uh, no, just do the Rat Nest outro and we'll be good. We got that still going. This has been the Rat Nest podcast. You can listen to us every week with new musicians, artists, illustrators, designers, movie engineers, um, probably some pet lovers, maybe a dog walker. And uh, yeah, YouTube for the video, ratnestpodcast.com coming soon. And all major platforms should be up in the next week or two. Sorry for slacking. Bye. And this has been Jim. I'm Jim. <laughs>